0: Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. Today, um, we are going to continue with our one-word series. These are key words in the Christian life. So these are individual words that make a big difference in our relationship with Jesus Christ, understanding them, walking that out. And today, we are going to talk about one of the best words ever, The word is kindness, okay? So we're going to talk about kindness, but we're not going to talk about the kindness of Mark or Steve or Mac or Gary Howe. We are going to talk about the kindness of God. So get ready. You get, this is, this is a, a very, very sweet principle. Um, and by the way, some of, these, uh, some of these messages have been suggested by you, some by the pastors. Today's word, kindness, is one that I selected. And the reason I selected it is because this is something I am learning all over again in my life. So this is a bit of a testimonial sermon. Um, very recently, not too long ago, Jane and I were facing a situation Um, that we knew was going to end up in a very good place for us, okay? So understand from the beginning, this is one of those things in life that it's good to get excited about. You know, it's good to just, uh, you know, look forward to it and and all of that. Um, But here's the thing about the situation, okay? I I know what the, you know, kind of what's at the end of this. But before we get there to the realization of it, there are a lot of what ifs. Okay, there are some unanswered questions. Um, there, there are a series of steps that have to be walked through, or you could call them hoops to jump through. So, so that's a part of it. And and we knew there were going to be some relational issues and some financial issues. So we've got something we're really looking forward to. You know, and there's a little bit of unanswered there. And so what I did is um, I got excited for about ten minutes. And then I started worrying. Has anyone ever done this before? That something good is coming. And before you've enjoyed it, you start just thinking, though. So, so I start thinking about, um, you know, hey, you know, there could be some potential hassles. Um, this could be a very tiring journey to get there. And, and before I know it, I have landed right in the middle of negative thinking. And I'm just in this cycle of of just negative thinking um, about all of it. And so I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. And so finally I get kind of thunk out, right? You know, to borrow a term from Winnie the Pooh, I just get thunk out. And right at that moment, (laughs) the Lord spoke to me and he said, Steve, surrender to my kindness, I, you, has God ever done that before with you before? You know how we do with our children, like, you know, our kids are all over the place. And it's like, you, just at some point, you got to grab their little heads, gently, right, gently, and you just gotta, you got to get them here and just say, listen to me. That's what the Lord did with me. Steve, surrender to my kindness. And when God said that, okay, you know, when the Lord spoke that to me, it just rifled through my heart. You know, there are times when the Lord speaks to you and you're like, oh, that's good, Lord, thank you. I'll meditate on that. There are other times when the Lord speaks to you and it just snaps you out of your funk. And and so I snapped out of my funk immediately, but it also sent me on a quest to just discover all over again the kindness of God. So I'm going to walk you through a passage of Scripture that has been very sweet to me lately, and I think by the end of it, you are going to be blessed by this. Here, uh, Mark chapter 20... 1 through 16. And just so you know, this is Jesus talking primarily to the disciples. Listen to what he says to them. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace again and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon, and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. And he asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one has hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. Then when they received their pay, they protested to the owner, those people only worked an hour, yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. The landowner answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my own money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So, those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, this is such a good story. And in this story, we discover your heart all over again for us. And I just pray today that we would have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to respond to the kindness of our great God in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, um, there are some passages of Scripture that are a little tricky, and this is one of them in, in a simple respect, and it's that Matthew chapter 20 is a continuation story, okay? So it's very easy to read this and go, oh, those are good principles, but if you don't go back into chapter 19 to see what came before, you miss some stuff. So here's what happens at the end of chapter 19. Uh, many of you are familiar with the story of the rich young man Let's see some hands there. Uh, some Bible say rich young ruler. Uh, one day, a, a, a person of considerable wealth came to Jesus, and he wanted to know what he needed to do to get into heaven. So, Jesus gives him a, a very good and a very standard answer, and it is to obey the commands of God. And um, then Jesus lays out some of the commands of God from uh, the Ten Commandments, the, the man very joyfully answers back, well, Jesus, good news, I have kept those commandments. I should be in great shape for heaven. Jesus says, and there is this one other thing. Um, You are a man of considerable wealth. You have great riches. And so to be able to truly follow me, you need to sell your possessions. You need to get rid of your possessions, take the money from those possessions, give it to the poor, and then you will be completely unencumbered to come and follow me. And we know what happens, right? The young man hears this, shakes his head, walks away. It's too much to ask. Now to be very clear, understand this. If you are a person in the room with considerable wealth, we want your money. No, that's not the point. Jesus Jesus is not saying here that it's wrong to have wealth. The problem in this guy's life is that he is in love with his wealth. That's the problem. You can have tremendous resources and be a very uh, benevolent, giving person. You can have a whole lot of money and love God a whole lot more than, than anything else. This guy has the other problem. He's in love with this stuff. He can't get rid of it. Now, the disciples hear this, and they see this, and, um, and, and, and they are bothered by this. And so they, they ask Jesus a question. Well, Jesus, if that's how it is with this guy, who in the world can be saved? It's humanly impossible. And Jesus answers back and says, you know what, it is humanly impossible, meaning for anybody to save themselves. But with God, all things are possible, meaning through Jesus Christ, everyone can be saved. So, the disciples hear all of this, and, and, and they've got it worked out, okay. You know, if, if we've got great riches, you know, if we're in love with anything else, we need to get rid of that. You know, we get rid of all to follow him. Jesus, we get the principle. So, so Peter, at the end of this, says, you know what, Jesus? When I look around at me and the other 12 disciples, we have done this. We have given up everything to follow you. I mean, we've left our old lives. we followed you. And then then Peter asked this, so Jesus, what are we going to get? We have really got it coming to us. And and so Jesus answers back, and he actually does speak to the reward that the 12 disciples will receive. There is a great spiritual reward. He speaks, speaks to that, but then he says something that requires a parable in chapter 20. Jesus says at the end of verse 19, Guys, there are many people that you think are going to be first in the kingdom of heaven, some of those people are going to be last. And there are a lot of people looking around you that you figure they're the least and the last. Some of those people are going to be first. All of that precedes Matthew 20. And then Jesus now launches into a parable explaining all of this, just putting the dynamic out there. And just so you know, a parable is a a story, right? Um, A parable is a heavenly truth That is spoken through an earthly story that we can all understand. That's why Jesus opens here in 20. And he says, guys, the kingdom of God that we are talking about is like, and then he starts the story. It is like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. Um, now, Now, just so you know, when it comes to landowners in biblical times, landowners already had a workforce. Okay, So if you were a landowner, meaning an estate owner, you already had servants, um, you had slaves. And by the way, biblical slaves are very different from U.S. colonial slaves. Um, But but you, you had a workforce in place. But at harvest time, there was extra work to do. You know, there are all these crops that had to be gathered. And so landowners would go out into the marketplace and they would look for what we would call day laborers, you know, uh, Kelly, Kelly Temps, right? Just temporary workers for a day or a few days or maybe a week to gather in the harvest. Now, here's the thing about day laborers. If you made a food chain of workers, okay, like uh, uh, people on different scales of the workforce, day laborers we were on the very bottom of the scale. Okay, these were folks that did not have a regular gig. They could not find you know, no, any, any kind of just consistent work. And, and if you did not work back then, if you were a day laborer, and you didn't get work for the day, there was no welfare system, there was no low-income housing, uh, no unemployment benefits. So for a day laborer, if they didn't work, they were in trouble. So here, a landowner goes out one day, uh, presumably about six a.m. in the morning. Goes out to the marketplace to see who's there. Finds a group of people just hoping for work, and he sees them. He makes contact, and this landowner offers them a one day a a, a one day contract. He names his price, tells them what he'll pay for the uh, you know if they do a full day's work. The day laborers agree. Okay. They go out into the field. So, for the day laborers, this is a win, okay? This is a yay. They will feed their families tonight, all right? They are going to eat themselves. And, and so, so, it sets up like that. And just so you know, it is the conclusion of every biblical theologian, commentary writer, historian, that at this point, okay, at the end of verse 2, this landowner has got all the workers he needs for his harvest. He doesn't need another worker to get the job done. Even the context of the story bears that out. But the story gets unusual, okay? And, and by the way, if you were listening to this back in the time, you would go, wait a minute, what, what comes next is a strange twist. With his labor needs already met, the landowner at nine o'clock in the morning goes back through the market. He sees some people standing around and he hires them. Now, this time there's no contract, okay? So, so there's no contract at all. He just says, Look, you can go join my guys out there. And I'll think about it, and whatever I think is fair, at the end of the day, I'll go ahead and pay you that. And so these guys go out, but there is a point now for every hearer of the story. The disciples, anybody on the fringes, us now, the point is this. It is clear here that this landowner has got a big heart, okay? We're talking about a pretty kind man. He doesn't need these guys, but something happens when he sees the, these idle non-workers. He, he's moved with compassion. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll use a few more. And, and and so they get it. We, we've we got a pretty kind man. And if the story stopped there, I think we would sort of get a point. But the story doesn't stop then um, because at noon with the day half over, okay? So we're halfway through the work day. He goes back out and he does exactly the same thing. Picks up any stray, sends them off to work. Hey, I'll pay you what's fair at the end of the day. But then he does it again at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we're talking about the work there goes from sun up to sun down. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there's not a whole lot of daylight left. The day is three-fourths over, and he goes through, and once again, he, he hires some, some, some more workers, leading everyone who, who's hearing this to go, oh my gosh, this landowner is ridiculously compassionate. All right, there's generosity, and then there's just hyper-generosity. Boy, the point has been made. Jesus, we get it. This Landover is incredible. He can't pass anybody by who's unemployed without giving them a job. Anybody who's got a need that he can possibly meet, this guy is going to meet it. But at this point, the story goes racing straight past the ridiculous into the absolutely absurd when at Five o'clock in the afternoon. Folks, what are most of us doing at five o'clock in the afternoon? We're, we're, right, we're punching out and going home. At five o'clock in the afternoon, with, with an hour, maybe two hours left, this man goes out again. And he offers a final few stragglers out there a job in his field. Translation, these guys aren't even going to break a sweat before the whistle blows. So, we get the point, right? We get the point. This, yes, this is a parable. This is a heavenly reality being told through an earthly story. We get the point. This is the most compassionate landowner of all time. I've never met anybody this compassionate and kind in my life. This generosity and love is off the charts. Jesus is talking about God. He is talking about God because this is who our God is, right? This is the heart of our God. God is all about helping the poor. God is all about caring for for, for those who can't care for themselves, you know? And we know this is true about God. I mean, even just salvation alone. We know that our God will take anybody into his kingdom at any time. This fits. We get the point. And by the way, that is part of the point of the parable, If we stop there, we've got a pretty good point, but there is actually a bigger point to this story, and the bigger point comes at the end of the workday, okay? At the end of the workday, the landowner calls his foreman and he says, all right, it's time to settle up with these guys, so call everybody over for their paychecks. And the last are called first. All right, no big deal to us, But if you've read much ancient Near East history, if you've studied biblical history, that's not how it worked in the ancient world. In the ancient, and we we have records of the ancient world, but landowners and others paying day laborers always paid the first hired first. But here we've got a reverse order. Now, if you were listening to Jesus that day, the fact that suddenly it's a reverse order is a hint. It is a hint that something really wacky and strange to our way of thinking is about to happen, and it is. Uh, Let's also remember, so far, the landowner has been incredibly generous, incredibly compassionate, um, Hire people he didn't even need, and so here are the last, all right? And the last, by the way, should already be thrilled. I got hired at five o'clock. I shouldn't have even got hired today. To get anything, these guys are already thrilled. But suddenly when they get paid, they get paid a full day's wage. Okay, 45, I mean, they probably hadn't even figured out what tools that, you know, but they get paid a full day's wage. Can you imagine what it's like if you were the last person hired? What? Wait a minute. No, no, you said the last come up first. You meant to call the first. This isn't supposed to be my money. I mean, these guys are thrilled. They're delighted. They're overjoyed. They're shocked. They're amazed. They just went from beanie weenies to prime rib for like an hour's worth of work. This is the greatest thing ever. So they are celebrating. But there's also a celebration going on in the line because from context here, we know that everyone who is hired after, okay, so from the last, the next last, the next last, the next last, all the way up to the first, they are all beginning to do a little math in their heads and they're going, oh my goodness, this guy just paid the last a full day's wage. What are we gonna get? You know, and, and the first guys are like, they worked an hour, we worked 12. If the math holds, we're gonna get 12 times the amount. So they're excited, they're coming up, you know, that we're gonna hit the jackpot. But then their turn comes, and they receive exactly the same amount of pay as the guys who worked an hour. So it doesn't matter how long you worked in this field, everybody gets a full day's wage. Now let me stop and just make sure we we realize something here because our Western minds are doing the same thing that we're getting ready to see out of the first uh, first ones hired. Um, First of all, let's remember, uh, the landowner has been absolutely true to his word. You know, didn't he promise Cariel a full day's wage? Right? He promised a full day's wage. He's done exactly what he promised. But that's not the way the people in the front, are, 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 that, that were hired at the end, uh, at the beginning of the day, are thinking. These guys are ticked. They are angry, and they let the owner know it. This is so unfair. How could you do something like this? I mean, we worked longer and harder than everybody else in this line, and yet we get the same pay. We were out in the scorching heat all day long. We wore ourselves out for you. What kind of a system are you running here? I mean, they're just boiling over. And you know, honestly, okay, honestly, most of us get where they're coming from, don't we? I mean, if it were you, if it were me, especially with our system of balances, and you know, you've know, you got unions all over the United States, and you know, I mean, there's all these rules and rights in place, we would be feeling the same way. This is a very natural human reaction. If any of you have a high sense of justice like I do, um, it, we would struggle with this. But see, here's the point of the parable. When the landowner speaks, we get the point. And basically, he says to them, folks, when today began, none of you had a job. Nobody had a job when the day began. All of you would have been hungry if I hadn't picked you up. Um, and yet, I offered you a job out of nowhere. I, you agreed to the job, to the terms of the job, and I delivered as promised. Everyone in the line received an unexpected blessing. All of you did. How have I been unfair to you? And and I love what he adds in at the end here. I wanted to bless the last hired the same way I blessed you. Can't I do what I want to with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? And then Jesus ends the story with the same phrase we see in 19. And so in the same way, in the kingdom of God, when it comes to men and women... There are many who are first, who will be last. And there are many who are last, that will be first. Now, taking all of this, as I read this parable, okay, I, and thinking about, you know, kindness of God, I was struck by a lot of the points that we've all heard preached from the passage before, okay? There are a lot of very, very low-hanging fruit here. And, um, and, and I saw those again. You know, God cares about the least. God is incredibly loving. God is God is generous. Um, also from the passage. uh, He's Lord, we are not, right? God can do whatever He wants to with His resources. The great thing is, though, with a good, loving, saving God, whatever He does with His resources will always be wonderful. But also, uh, everything runs according to His will and His way. So, God is completely in charge. So, So, I thought about all that, right? And then something struck me that has never struck me before. And what struck me is the identity of the last hired. That last group hired at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. For the first time in my life, I realized exactly who they are. As I was uh, reading the story and thinking on the word that God spoke to me, surrender to my kindness, I realized that I'm the last hired. You are the last hired. We are the last ones hired that get a day's pay. Now, here's what I mean by that. Um, I started thinking about the gifts in my life that came from God, right? Every good gift comes from Him. So, everything I would call a good gift has come from the Lord. But, but again, I pulled out salvation earlier. When it comes to salvation. I didn't earn that. I earned something else. Um, I would submit that there are others in the room who, who, who uh, earned something else just being born into sin. I never could have earned the salvation that I received from Jesus Christ. You know, you know when I look at um, uh, but my future, you know, whatever I will do in the future, I will never be worthy of the grace the love, the salvation of God. And when I look at all the other little things that are still gigantic, you know, freedom, deliverance, peace, joy, new life, every single one of those are a gift. They're just a gift absolutely a gift. God has always given me way more than I deserve. So go back to the beginning of the story. Here I was, you know, not too long ago, and um, I, I looked back on how, you know, the Lord is doing something really cool in my life right now, and I am sitting here worrying about all this other stuff. What I realized is I am not trusting this amazing God who always keeps His promise, You know, who's absolutely for me, this God who has never failed in times past. He saved me, He never left me, He's gifted me, He's empowered me, He's blessed me beyond measure, and He's done the same for all of you. Here is that God, and He's opening a door, and I am imagining the worst, worrying about this and that, running through all the hassles and all the difficulties, and even in the midst of that, this amazing God speaks. And he says, Steve, surrender to my kindness. To me, that just said, Steve, stay in the moment. Steve, trust me. Look to me. Thank me for my goodness. Even before you see outcomes, thank me. It's a season of my kindness. Enjoy it. Be blessed by it. Or the Lord said to me too, or you can continue to go down the road of negativity and see how that winds up. You know, you can let me know how that goes for you. Thankfully, I chose the kindness of God and I am really enjoying just the favor and the goodness of God. And folks, that scenario is every one of us every day of our lives. We always have a choice To just lean into and feast on the Lord's kindness in our lives, even in the hardest times. I used to say this when I gave my testimony. Uh, It struck me one time I was a teenager and I was telling people about how I'd come back to Christ, and this phrase came out of me that I didn't mean to come out of me, but it was from the Lord. And what I said was, "You know, I had a lot of fun in the world before I met Jesus, but..." I really did. I mean, sin is fun for a season. Scripture says that. And I said, but you know what? My highest highs outside of Jesus don't even come close to the lowest lows I've ever felt as a Christian. You know, the heights of being with God. There's nothing in the world you can do that that, that will ever come close to the sweetness and the goodness of God, even on your worst day as a believer. So here's what I want to do. I want to end this way. For anyone today who is in the same boat, okay, okay? If you need to surrender to the kindness of God, I want to invite you as we close to open up your hands, okay? Just open up your hands in prayer, and and I'm going to pray the Word of God over you. Now, these are all the verses that I've been taking like medicine every day lately. Just open your hands and receive them in prayer, and I believe the Holy Spirit is going to do something for you here, okay? So here we go. Psalm 45, verse 17. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. Zephaniah 2.7, For the Lord their God will visit his people in kindness and restore their prosperity again. Romans 2.4, Do you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Can you see that his kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Romans 11.6, since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by our good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. Ephesians 1.8, he has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. Ephesians 2.7, this is all so God can point to us in future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Father God, by, by faith, with open hands, we just receive once again the goodness of our God. And Lord, I thank you that through the hard times of our life, you are always crafting us. You're making our heart larger. Lord, we have an opportunity at all times to become better versus bitter, which is what happens without you. And so, Lord, we just receive once, and ag- once again your kindness, your goodness, your generosity. We thank you that you are this landowner in our lives for us as individuals and us as a church, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All right. Good stuff. Isn't God good? He's the best. Thank you for listening to the KPC Podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.